The reading is Mark chapter 7, starting from verse 24 to 8 verse 10, and can be found on page 1010 in the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back, and page numbers for those are on the screen. So Mark chapter 7, starting from verse 24. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, Let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on a bed and the demon gone. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spat and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Epatha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, But where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have, Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 were present. After he had sent them away, he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the region of Dalmathana. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Ross, thank you very much for reading that. Uh, Do keep it open. Uh, We're going to spend a few minutes looking at it together. Uh, Why don't we pray uh, as we do so? 
O God of compassion, we pray that you would be compassionate to us tonight and show us more of who the Lord Jesus is. Amen. Now we are going to spend a few minutes uh, looking at uh, those verses, but first, actually, I want us to get a a big picture uh, of Mark chapter 7. Um, it's actually good for us to get the context, if you were here, particularly if you were here last week, um, because there is a huge contrast between uh, what we heard last week uh, and uh, what we see this week. Uh, now, in order to help us see this, uh, I'm going to use this, the Boston Growth Matrix. Now, I bet you didn't expect to see that when you came into church tonight. Uh, if you don't know uh, what this is, I, I learned about it at university, uh, and it's kind of one of those things that a lot of companies assume you know. Um, without ever really properly referencing it, and certainly not as much as lecturers will have you believe if you're a student who's seen it. Um, But basically the idea is that products uh, that a company produces fits into one of these four boxes. Uh, And you want your products to be star products, where they've got a big market share, so they're making money, but also a big potential uh, for growth. Um, You can innovate uh, and keep pushing things forwards. Uh, cash cows, they're probably the things that uh, most people have heard of. Um, they're things that are just raking in plenty of money to keep the business going, um, and then you can invest into your star products. Um, what you don't want is products that are dogs. Uh, products that are dogs, as the diagram, diagram says, you want to liquidate. You want to get uh, rid of those. So, uh, uh, as an example, take Apple products, uh, if you know those. Your star products would be your iPhone. Your question mark product would be probably the Apple Watch. Uh, Your cash cow would be the iPad. uh, And your dog would be the iPod. Uh, Unless you travel back in time to the 90s or something. Um, Now, why why am I uh, doing all this? Uh, You haven't come to a business lecture, don't worry. But this is a way of viewing Mark chapter 7. You you saw the reference to dog um, in the passage, hopefully, which is where this tenuous link comes from. Um, (laughs) But last week, we saw the Pharisees. Uh, The Pharisees thought that they were the stars of their religious product. They had the market share because people were listening to them. They they thought they had the, the potential for that spiritual growth. But Jesus came along uh, and told them they had a huge problem with their hearts. Actually, because of their hypocrisy and their sin, that meant they were far from him. They weren't stars, they were actually dogs. Or to put it in the language that they would have used, they'd gone from thinking they were clean to being told that they were unclean. Tonight, on the other hand, uh, as we continue to work through Mark 7, you get this uh, Greek woman. The Pharisees would have thought of her as a dog. She's unclean. She's a Gentile. Uh, And that meant, uh, in the eyes of religion, she had no market value and little chance of any growth. But whereas the Pharisees thought they were stars and had to be shown they were dogs, this woman recognizes she's a dog and becomes a star because of her faith. That's the big contrast that's going on in Mark chapter 7. And what we need to do now is zoom in on uh, these three miracles that Ros has just read out for us uh, and see how that 
that plays out. Because actually, in the flow of Mark's gospel, um, they come at a really important point. You see, if you've been reading Mark's gospel uh, all the way through, uh, you may get to this point and, and start wondering, you know, why is he uh, repeating miracles of exorcism and, and, and feeding? Uh, why didn't he just mention those kind of when he was talking about the other ones before? Um, why is this woman being called a dog? Why is Jesus trying to hide uh, in a different place? Uh, and the answer to all these questions has to do with geography. We're covering all the topics tonight. Uh, business first, now geography. But here's a map. Don't worry if you don't like maps, you can't read them. Geography is just about colouring in, we all know that. Um, but what's important, uh, as you read through, I don't know if you picked up on the various place names that are mentioned Uh, Because Mark uh, wants us to see uh, it's important where Jesus is. So at the start uh, of the passage, Jesus is near the the top of the map in uh, what we might call quick fit land, Tyre. Um, Come on, it's going to get better. But what he does is he moves up from Tyre uh, and goes to Sidon and then uh, back down to the Sea of Galilee. And importantly, uh, Mark points out, uh, you saw it there in verse 31 of chapter 7, that he's in the region of the Capolis. That is uh, on the side of the Sea of Galilee that's outside of Israel. Uh, And in 8 verse 1, it's during these days... Um, or those days, that uh, this, the third miracle happens. So as Jesus moves around, he is in Gentile land. He's not in uh, the historic Israel. In fact, even Mark makes this point when he's describing the, uh, the woman in verse 26. She is Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. He mentioned it twice to so make sure you don't miss it. She is Greek. She is born not in Israel. Do you see the point? All these areas were outside of Israel. So Jesus is in this Gentile country performing miracles to Gentile people, crossing over those boundaries that the Pharisees would never gone anywhere near into the unclean areas, a bit like a quick-fit garage. Um, he is going uh, across barriers And to understand the significance of this, we we kind of need to get into the mindset of of being around uh, at the time that Mark's readers uh, were reading um, this gospel he's written, Uh, particularly the Gentile Gentile ones. Now, I take it pretty much everyone here is a Gentile. We're not from Jewish descent. And and as a Gentile is reading this gospel, you may have been wondering, if you got to this point, uh, can I be a part of this... uh, this new religion that is growing up around the Messiah. I mean, the Messiah is a, a promise to the Jewish people in the Old Testament. They, they've been mate, waiting many years for this uh, Messiah to come. He was going to be their anointed king. And actually, for all that time, the Jews have been considering us Gentiles as completely unclean, as outsiders, excluded. That they kept their distance And they weren't going to be part of God's people or God's promises. So now the Messiah has come. Maybe as Gentiles we've read a bit and got excited about who he is. 
But are we allowed to be part of it? I'm sure we all know what it's like to feel excluded from a group. I uh, remember when I was at school, I was thinking about this as preparing. Uh, when I was at school, uh, our school year was quite big. Um, and so when they did a, uh, this big week-long school trip, they had to do it in three different groups. Now, all of my friends got into group two. I got into group three. Now, suddenly, all my friends were talking about what they're going to do when they go away, uh, the things they're going to they're get up to. And uh, I'm left thinking, I'm going on week three. And they're no longer part of this group. You know, what's going to happen when they get back? And they're still talking about it. And now, now before you feel far, sorry for me, I did have a good time on week three and made some new friends. But do you know that feeling of being left out, excluded? It makes you feel like you know, you're strange or not wanted or something. But that's the mindset that we need to get into when we come to this passage. We're so used to, uh, as Christians today, being included as God's people, which of course we are, that we forget actually at one time we wouldn't have been allowed to be as Gentiles. And so here's why this passage is so important and why I think Mark puts it just before the big turning point of his gospel. Because he wants to emphasize to his readers, Gentiles, you are included too. So, uh, we're going to see that it's the excluded that are included. Using these three miracles, um, Mark shows that Jesus' mission is not limited to a particular group. So let's briefly look at the three miracles um, before considering what it means for us. Uh, Firstly, the Greek woman in verses 24 to 30. Uh, As we said, after the confrontation uh, with the Pharisees that we saw last week, Jesus moves north to Tyre, uh, and he enters a Gentile house. Uh, Seemingly, he wants to spend some time alone, um, I think is the kind of idea that's get it getting at. But a bit like the modern-day paparazzi, people find out where he is, as you see in verse 24. And one person who, is, uh, who finds out is this desperate Greek woman. Look at verse 25. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. It's interesting, isn't it, that the news of Jesus had spread outside of historic Israel. That even this Gentile woman, who probably has absolutely nowhere else to turn to, as soon as she hears about Jesus, comes rushing to him to beg him to heal her daughter. But Jesus' response is perhaps a little surprising in verse 27. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her. For it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Now, you might well be thinking, what on earth is he talking about? Although the woman clearly understands, as we see later, which I think is a sign of her faith. But here, the, the children that Jesus is referring to are the Jews. The dogs, on the other hand, are the Gentiles, and it's not a complimentary thing. People try and downplay what Jesus is saying here, but it is an offensive term that's being used. 
but it's offensive for a purpose. He's trying to achieve something. See, Jesus is effectively saying, I have come to the Jews. Let, let them have all they should before we give anything to the Gentiles. Before we give anything to those they consider dogs. But there's a really important word that Jesus says here that offers hope to the Gentiles. In fact, to all of us. It's the first word of verse 27. First. See, Jesus did come to the Jews first, but not only. He always knew that the the gospel would go out to the, the Gentiles, that dogs would become stars, so to speak. The Old Testament is full of promises of it. In fact, as he gives the, the, the bread of himself and his salvation, it is first given to the Jews. That's where he spent his time. That's um, the, who his disciples are that calls. But it will come to the Gentiles once that mission has been achieved. In fact, many of us here, as I say, are testimony to that, aren't we? That the good news of Jesus has come to us Gentiles. And the woman seems to understand that. She's not offended by this term, dog. She doesn't storm off in a, in a strop. In fact, she offers a response of faith. Even dogs get crumbs. I please give me now a little bit of what's coming in the future. So she doesn't try to negotiate. She doesn't say it's unfair. Actually, she recognizes that she has nothing to offer and comes empty-handed to Jesus. What she wants is the scraps. She's not relying on her status, not relying on her reputation. She's only relying on who Jesus is. Only relying on what she knows he can do. And her faith is rewarded. Verse 29, then he told her, for such a reply you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed, and the demon had gone. It's a short, punchy story, isn't it, from Mark? But can you see it's making a huge claim? You, Gentile reader, are included too. The excluded included. It's true of the Greek woman. And it's true of the deaf and mute man in verses 31 to 37. Uh, Jesus, as we say, moves to the Decapolis, the region of the ten cities. uh, And there's a man uh, brought by his friends to Jesus. Uh, Again, it's like in verse 32, it's people begging Jesus for help. You know, they're not uh, relying on on their status. They're relying on who he is, his status, his power. Uh, And Jesus heals this man. Uh, Apparently, it's in a way that wouldn't have been too different, different to mystic healers would have tried to do at the time, although, of course, Jesus succeeds. And it, he opens uh, this man's ears uh, and his tongue, and probably his heart as well, to who he is. Can you imagine the amazement of that man? Imagine the joy. Thank you, Jesus. Look, everyone, listen. Yeah, I, I'm healed. I can talk. I can hear. Bring all your disabled people uh, to Jesus. But actually Jesus gives a command that may seem strange. Look at verse 36. 
Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. But the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Those phrases in verse 37 that people use uh, are very reminiscent of Isaiah 35, uh, if you want to look it up later. Uh, and in Isaiah 35, um, it's a promise that God gives through his prophet of the Messiah that is to come. Uh, and it's almost like these Gentile people are beginning to recognize who this Messiah is. But they don't yet have the full picture. And I think that's why uh, Jesus tells them uh, to remain quiet for the moment. You see, the miracles are only a sign uh, of God's kingdom. They're not the kingdom itself come yet. See, Jesus didn't come to be a, a miracle healer. He came to be a glorified saviour. And so until all that has been achieved, then the Gentiles uh, can't get more than crumbs. But once that's achieved, the final miracle shows the Gentiles will get far more. So finally, the, the 4,000 in chapter 8, verses 1 to 10. Now, it it's probably struck most of us as we read that. This is very similar uh, to the feeding of the 5,000, which we looked at a couple of weeks ago. Uh, another large crowd has gathered round and has nothing to eat. Jesus has compassion on them uh, in verse 2, as he has with all the people. They, you know, these people have been with him three days. They have a long way to travel back. There's no McDonald's drive through uh, which was our saviour yesterday when the kids were hungry. You know, and so again, Jesus calls his disciples to gather all the bread and fish that they had. Seven loaves, a few small fish. He gives thanks for it, and they begin to give it out to the people. And verse 8, the people ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Can you see the great abundance that Jesus gives to satisfy these people? You're not only satisfied, but with more left over. To Gentile people, or certainly in the Gentile region. You see, I think the reason that we get these two feeding miracles um, in, the, in the gospel is that the first one comes to the Jews. We then hear about the Greek women. And Greek women, sorry. And then we hear another feeding miracle to Gentiles. The excluded included. The same abundance is coming. See, Mark is leaving no doubt Gentiles can be part of this new re religion. Yes, Jesus came first to the Jews. But now those old barriers are gone. The gates have been thrown wide open. Everyone's welcomed in. So Gentile reader, you can be part of this too. And of course, Jewish reader, don't exclude the Gentiles. Gentile reader, you can be part of this through. Jesus didn't come for a particular type of person, a particular group. He came for the lost. We're putting it another way. He came for those dogs who know 
They need a saviour. And that news has to be uh, absolutely wonderful, life-changing news to the Gentiles of the time. They could be brought in as they uh, read through the gospel and they see Jesus as we have been doing. They can be part of this and it changes things dramatically. But it also changes things for us. Because it means we're included too. Ye and me. Actually, before I think about, uh, before uh, talking about that, let me just say briefly that if it includes us, then surely it includes others too. So I think this also has implications for our evangelism. Uh, Actually, it shows anyone can come to Jesus, even those who seem the most excluded, whether it's by society uh, or by uh, our assumptions that they just won't be interested or willing to change. Uh, And that's something we're going to be thinking about in more detail next week. Um, So do come back, because uh, this does outplay in the way that we want to to speak the gospel to uh, people in in a natural way, but a purposeful way, because anyone can be included. Uh, so there'll be more on that next week. But uh, for now, um, it, this does include us. We were the lost Gentiles. As we were reminded last week, we had no right to be included because of our sin. And so we were excluded from Jesus, from God. But... But like that Greek woman, we came empty-handed to Jesus, desperate for the healing from sin that he could bring, begging him for it, not relying on our status, but his. Actually, it's the only kind of faith he can bring to Jesus. As the song we're about to sing says, nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. We're not worthy, but give us the crumbs we want to say to Jesus. So we come to Jesus begging for that help, empty-handed, and then he reached out to us. He opened our hearts to him. Opened our ears to hear his words. Open our mouths to sing his praise. Like he opened uh, the ears and the tongue of that deaf and mute man. So he says to us, be open. And we become those people who are overwhelmed and amazed. And now, he's giving us that huge abundance of his blessing. Just as with the the 4,000, they were satisfied and there's still much left over. So Jesus satisfies us with much more still left over. In him is where we get that bread of life, that joy, that satisfaction that is everlasting. If you left last week thinking you felt a bit like a dog, leave this week knowing you're a star. Because the excluded are included. All because of Jesus. Shall we pray? Nothing in my hands I bring. 
simply to the cross I cling. Lord, we come empty-handed to you, knowing it is only by your grace and your mercy. Jesus' work on the cross that we can come and know that those us who were once excluded are now included. Thank you, Lord, that you have opened our hearts to who you are. Thank you that you have given us the abundance of your blessing. And so we want to praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen.